Welcome to the City Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. As a community of faith, we are passionate about helping people find and follow Jesus. Psalms chapter number 7, it's great to be here. Thank you, City Baptist Church, for allowing me to be here. It's a privilege to be able to preach, and thank you to Pastor Paul for inviting me to be here as well. Uh, like Christian said, we've We've already had one service, but don't worry, this message will probably be entirely different from the one that we had at 9 o'clock. That was just the warm-up, so this is the polished version. Psalm chapter number 7, we're going to look at, before we even read verse number 1, we're going to look at the short kind of introduction there. Most Bibles will have this in it. It'll give us a description, an overview of what Psalm chapter number 7 is all about. And it says here, Shigion of David, which he sang unto the Lord concerning the words of Cush the Benjamite. Shigion of David. Anyone know what that word means? Probably not. Uh, In fact, many commentators debate as to exactly what that word means, but most believe it means a loud cry. All right, a loud cry. And that's the title of my message today, a loud cry. The inscription here gives us, an indic- gives us an idea of what is happening in Psalm chapter number 7. David is crying unto the Lord because of some persecution that he's facing in his life. Specifically, persecution from a man named Cush the Benjamite. Now, we don't have a lot of information about Cush the Benjamite, but we know that he is an enemy of David. We know that... Uh, he had a lot of bad things to say about David. His goal was to destroy the testimony and the kingdom of David. He wanted David to, uh, to fall from, from, from his kingdom. He wanted to destroy David and know, and know whatever he could do, whatever that he, you know, whatever he could throw at David, he wanted to do, he wanted to put that at him. Now, I used the, used the phrase, you know, the phrase, if you throw enough mud, some of it will stick. I think this was Cush's, uh, this was his, Cush's idea of trying to destroy David. If he throws enough mud, maybe some of it will stick and some of it will bring down the king. It's kind of it's kind of like this idea is is if you throw enough say enough bad things eventually people will believe it. Eventually people will start thinking that some of it must be true. The idea of where there's smoke there is fire. And we need to be careful of course because this is a tactic of the enemy to discredit and to discourage uh, those that are seeking to follow him. In fact devil uses this often in local churches to to destroy that church. He wants to create drifts and uh, create problems within the local church. And so a lot of things will be said. Much of it, most of it may not be true, but the idea is if enough is said, eventually some people will believe it. That's why pastors and deacons and so on are told to be blameless, are told to have uh, a certain standard in their life. The idea is that none of that mud would stick on them. You know, if someone said enough that bad things about your pastor, if they are living a life that is blameless, a life that there's nothing that can really stick on him, it'll help him in his ministry. Now we know nobody's perfect, but the idea is to live a life in which no one could hook anything on that would stick, that would be true about that that individual. And so that is the idea here. David is going through a difficult time. Cush is using every, uh, you know, every tool that he can to discredit and to hurt, to hurt David. So we pick up here in verse number one, and we read, O Lord, my God, in thee do I put my trust, 
Save me from all them that persecute me and deliver me, lest he tear my soul like a lion, rending it in pieces, while there is none to deliver. Right away, David begins his loud cry, asking the Lord to save him, asking God to deliver him from his enemy. In our lives, we will always have those that seek to destroy us. We will have enemies that seek to discredit us, that seek to hurt us in any way that, we, at, that they can. Uh, any church will have its enemies that seek to destroy it and seek to persecute it. In verse number two, uh, David goes on and says, Lest ye hear my soul tear, tear my soul like a lion, rending it in pieces while there is none to deliver. David said that his enemies were trying to destroy him. They were trying to tear him apart like a lion would tear apart his prey. Gives you a picture of what the enemy, what Cush wanted to do to David. Tear him apart. Just rip him to, to shreds. I can't help but be reminded of what the Bible says in 1 Peter chapter 5 and verse 8. It says, be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion, walketh about seeking whom he may devour. You know, we understand that as Christians, as those that, that follow Christ, we understand that there is an enemy that seeks to destroy us. The devil wants to destroy you. He wants to destroy your testimony. He wants to destroy your life, your family, your children. The devil wants to tear you into pieces. He doesn't want you to have success. He doesn't want you to live for the Lord and bring glory to God. He wants to destroy you. And so the devil will do that. He will seek to attack us. And he'll also use his agents, people like Cush, as part of his plan to destroy. The understanding, 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 8, is that same understanding. We face the same types of things. If you've lived long enough, you know that life is a series of ups and downs. Life is a series of trials, a series of persecutions, and you will not uh, go long on life without having some sort of trial in your life. It may not be uh, the trial that David faced. You may not have someone that is verbally uh, accusing you of wrongdoing or attacking you physically. It may be a financial problem. It may be a death in the family, a family problem. You, you probably, your mind has already gone to problems that you have faced, or maybe you're in the middle of one right now. Whatever that problem is, whatever you, that trial is, that persecution, we can understand that this is a test. It is a trial for us. And so the, the first point that I had is the reason of the loud cry, because there is trials, there is persecution in our lives. And we will all have these types of reasons. We will always have reasons in our life. And when we have these reasons, like David, we can learn to cry unto the Lord for our salvation. I want you to see, second of all this morning, the reality of the loud cry of David. Notice verse number three. O Lord, my God, if I have done this, if there be iniquity in my hands, if I have rewarded evil unto him that was at peace with me, yea, I have delivered him that without cause is mine enemy. 
Now, David was not a perfect person. We know that the life of David had some pretty serious sins. It wasn't, uh, we, we know that David in his life will uh, commit some serious sins, and it began with the sin of adultery. He saw a, a woman bathing and, and lust built within himself and he, until it consumed him and he carried out that sin. And then when he committed the sin of adultery, he had to lie about it to cover it up. He didn't want anybody to know. Isn't that the, the natural progression when we do something that we shouldn't do? We want to lie about it. My children teach me this all the time. When they do something they shouldn't do, the first thing they want to do is lie about it. And then to cover up that lie because he thought, oh, people are going to find out because uh, Bathsheba was with child, obviously, and her, her husband Uriah was, was at war, so it was a physical impossibility for her to have a child at that point. They knew it, the, he knew that it was going to get out. He knew that it was going to become public knowledge. And so he took Uriah and he orchestrated events so that Uriah would perish in the battle. He committed murder, adultery to lying to murder. So we know David had his fair share of sin in his life. And because of his sin, he would have consequences. Psalms chapter 3 and Psalms chapter 4 give us an idea of the persecution and the consequences that would happen in David's life because of his sin. We know that he would lose his son with Bathsheba, and then he, the Bible tells us that he would also have many other family problems, and Absalom would turn against him and rebel against his father and would raise up people against him, and David would have to flee from his kingdom because of his own son turning against him. I, I always like the story of Absalom because he kind of reminds me of Fabio in a sense. You know, he had the long hair. The Bible says he was super good looking. And, uh, you know, that's, that's what the Bible says. He had long hair and he was super good looking. So you can just, you know, picture him whipping that hair around. Uh, but, uh, you know, looks don't, uh, looks don't earn everything. And we can learn that from the life of Absalom. But he turned against David. He turned against David, and, and he, David knew that this was happening because of the consequences of sin. He knew that it was sin. Psalms chapter 3, Psalms chapter 4, you can see David really giving us that understanding. I am facing these consequences because I have done wrong. And we will also have those types of things in our lives. We will have trials and persecutions because of wrongdoing. The, the, the thing about these types of trials is they can be avoided. You don't have to go through trials and, and difficult times uh, because of sin. You can learn from David and avoid those types of things in your life. You know, it's, it's kind of like, well, if you were to go out and you said, I want to buy a new car, I don't have a lot of money, but you go out and you look at all the vehicles and you see the most expensive one, you're just like, that's the one I got to have. I got to have the, I don't know, the Ferrari. And for some reason, the bank actually gives you the loan to buy a Ferrari and you drive home with the Ferrari and then next month, you're like, I don't know how I'm going to pay my rent, you know, because my, my Ferrari costs more than my rent does. And so I don't know how I'm going to pay my rent. And you go, well, that's your own fault, buddy. You know, you shouldn't have put yourself in a position where you can't pay your rent. Well, lots of times we can do the same thing. We can put ourselves in trials and bad places because of sin. And the first thing that we need to do, like David, is learn from those mistakes, acknowledge our sin, and like 1 John 1, 9 says, confess our sin to the Lord 
and he will forgive us of our sins. So take that to the Lord and confess it. Now, in Psalm chapter 7, that's not the problem. In Psalm chapter 7, this wasn't because of some sin in the life of David. This wasn't because of some iniquity in his life. This was just happening to him. He didn't deserve it. It was just happening to him. You can see that in verse 3. He says, Lord, if I've done, if, if there's anything wrong in me that, I, that, I, that I'm facing this, will you let me know? Like, I, I want to know, but there wasn't. He had done nothing to deserve this. This wasn't because of some iniquity or some sin in his heart. You can read that in verse number 4. He understood the reality. This is just a trial. This is just a persecution in my life, and it's not really anything that I did done. I didn't bring this upon myself. It just happened. And we know that sometimes bad things just happen. You're going to have trials and persecutions in your life that just happen. And they'll be different for each one of us. And we'll face different problems and we'll face different, um, different difficulties. But they'll just happen. We, see, we can read this in Matthew chapter 5 and verse 45. It says that ye may be the children of your father, which is in heaven, for he maketh his son to rise on the evil and on the good and sendeth rain on the just and on the unjust. You know, uh, wicked, bad people have good days and have bad days. And good, righteous people have good days and have bad days. The sun that rises up and gives a beautiful day is the same on both people, the wicked and the good. It just happens. Unjust and innocent suffering in this world is something that I personally just don't understand. And I don't propose to understand it. But I want to say this to you. I know somebody who does understand it. And he is going to be able to explain it to us one day. We're going to look at a couple biblical examples of this reality. We can look at, first of all, we won't turn there, but we can look at the servant Job. Job was a righteous man. The Bible describes him as perfect. It doesn't mean he never did anything wrong, but it means he had a pattern of righteousness in his life. He was a good moral person. He was righteous. He did what was right. Yet Job would face some of the worst things that you wouldn't wish on probably your worst enemy. He would lose his, his family, all of his children would perish in one day. He would lose all of his possessions. All of his wealth would be taken, would be destroyed. And, and even when he faced all of that, his wife wasn't even there to help him and support him. His wife said, why don't you just curse God and die? You have nothing to live for. You've, you've lost everything. Job, as a Christian, as a follower of God, had faced some of the worst types of trials. And yet, it says that in all this, he didn't sin. I don't know about you, but I don't know if, if I would have done that. I mean, we have to be honest. If I had lost, if I lose my whole family and I lose everything that I have, would I still be able to praise God? Yet Job did so. He understood that naked he came into this world and naked he would go out. Everything that, was, that, that he had was a gift from God. And if God wanted to take it away, he was, he was understanding of the sovereignty of God, and he understand that God had a plan. Job didn't know that the devil had gone, to, had gone to God and accused him of only doing it for the goods and accused him of only doing it because God was blessing him. 
He didn't understand all of that. We see it and we go, well, we know the whole story, but Job didn't know the whole story. And we don't get any idea that God ever told Job why he had all of those trials and persecutions in his life. So that goes, takes us to the New Testament example in John chapter number 9. John chapter number 9. If you want to turn there, you can. John chapter number 9. We'll read just a couple verses starting in verse number 1. John chapter 9 verse 1, it says, And as Jesus passed by, he saw a man which was blind from his birth, and his disciples asked him, saying, Master, who did sin, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? So here's the New Testament example. There's a man who was born blind. In those days, being blind was not a good thing. They didn't have the social assistance programs they had today. They didn't have all the support they had today. Uh, you know, you can go everywhere, and even you go to the bank, they have Braille there, and you can, you know, if you're blind, you can still bank. You can, they have, you go across the street, you'll hear, you know, you'll, you'll hear things for those that are visually impaired. But they didn't have those types of things in those days. This blind man was in a bad situation. And the disciples said, who, who sinned that, that would cause him to be blind? Was it him or was it his parents? Think about that. So who sinned? What, who's iniquity? Whose sin caused this man to be blind? Notice Jesus' response in verse number three. Jesus answered, neither hath this man sinned, nor his parents, but that the works of God should be made manifest in him. If you think about it, he was blind for that moment. He was blind for that moment. So that Jesus could teach his disciples something very important. He was born blind for the glory of Christ. Jesus would heal that man of his blindness. It was another proof of the deity of Christ that he was the promised Messiah. It was another evidence that Jesus was who he said he was. He was blind for the glory of God. My dad and I were working not too long ago. He, he purchased a, a cabin and we were renovating it. And the song came on the radio and he started to cry. <laughs> now, I don't see my dad cry very often. I got to tell you that. He's not, uh, he's not a cry. Although the older it gets, I see him cry a little more often. But the song had some very interesting lyrics. I want you to just listen to the lyrics of the song. Tempted and tried were oft made to wander, wonder. Why it should be thus all the day long. While there are others living about us, never molested, though in the wrong, farther along we'll know all about it. Farther along we'll understand why. Cheer up, my brother, live in the sunshine. We'll understand it all by and by. When death has come and taken our loved ones, it leaves our home so lonely and drear. And then do we wonder why others prosper, living so wicked year after year. When we see Jesus coming in glory, when he comes down from his home in the sky, then we will shall meet him in that bright mansion. We'll understand it all by and by. Farther along, we'll know all about it. Farther along, we'll understand why. Cheer up, my brother. Live in the sunshine. We'll understand it all by and by. Yea, we'll understand it all by and by. I asked my dad, why are you crying? He said that song helped him in a very difficult time in his life. And whenever he hears it, he's reminded that difficulties and trials, there is a purpose behind them all. 
And I can't tell you exactly why you're faced with certain trials and persecutions, or I can't, I can't even give you the answer necessarily, the purpose of that trial for you, but I can tell you this. It is for the glory of God. God has a plan that is unique for you. God has a plan and, and a purpose for your life. And the trials and the difficulties that will affect you are there so that God can receive the glory. Now, you can respond one way or the other. There's only two ways to respond to a trial. You can respond like Job and say, for the glory of God. God can do what he wants with me. Whatever he wants, I'll, I'll endure. I'll do it for the Lord. Or you can do what his wife said, curse God and die. You can just be angry and you can be bitter and you can go through life saying it's not fair. Why do I have to deal with this? Why doesn't someone else have to deal with this? Not long ago, my wife came to me and, and we've never experienced a miscarriage, but one of our closest friends experienced uh, some, a miscarriage and, and they were having a very difficult time. And it's hard for us to understand because we've never experienced it. We have four beautiful children, but never did my wife experience a miscarriage. And, and I, I thought to myself, why haven't we experienced it? But they have. I don't know. God has the answer. It's for his glory one way or another. And I have to just do what Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 says. Trust in the Lord with all thine heart and lean not to thine own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge him and he shall direct our paths. We need to be able to trust in the Lord. I want you to see number three this morning, the request, the request of the loud cry. The request of the loud cry. David Request. He asked God in verse number six, Arise, O Lord, in thine anger, lift up thyself because of the rage of mine enemies, and awake for me to the judgment that thou hast commanded. Ever get frustrated with the world? Ever get frustrated with the things that are happening in the world? I do. Sometimes I don't like reading the news or watching TV. I said, man, it's, it's so wicked. And it just seems like the wicked are prospering and getting their way. And it seems like the righteous are being persecuted and are being mocked or are being shamed in some way or another. And it can become very, very discouraging. A few weeks ago, I preached a message called the devolution of man. And, uh, you know, the fact is man teaches evolution. We're getting better. We're getting stronger. We're, we're evolving into something greater. But the Bible doesn't teach that. The Bible teaches that man's getting worse. There was a time on this planet where everyone believed that there was a God and they believed in God, Jehovah. <laughs> when Adam and Eve were here, the, the only, those two, they, they all understood that God was real and that he existed. But now, the farther we get, more and more people are turning against God. They're rebelling against God. Man is not getting greater. It's not getting better. And the answer for world peace that everyone's crying for, we want peace. If only we fix this problem. If only we fix this problem, everything will be better. It's not. Because the answers can't be found in social justice and the answers can't be found in anything other than God. And the man is not going to be able to figure it out themselves. I hate to tell you this, but things are only going to get worse. <laughs> and that can be pretty discouraging. And that can be pretty difficult. David reached the point, he said, this is just, it's bad news. This guy wants to, 
to tear me down. He wants to destroy me. He wants to hurt me. It just seems like everybody's uh, turning against me. And he says, Lord, would you, would you do something about it? Would you rise up and, and bring justice? Hmm. I feel that way sometimes. Lord, would you step in and take care of some of the stuff that's going on? Would you show yourself? And the fact is, he will one day. David understood this. Not, there's not one person that's living today that will not one day stand before God and give an account for their life. Not one person. Every single one of us will stand before God and give an account. The Bible gives us the picture of two different types of groups. There's the group that will go to the Bema Seat of Christ. Those are those that put their faith and trust in Jesus Christ. We heard a lot about that in the video. There are Savior, Jesus Christ. I'm so thankful that he came and he was the propitiation. He took our place. He said, I'll pay the penalty of sin. I'll, I'll take that person's place. I'm so thankful that Jesus did that for us. And those of us that have put our faith and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ, we've called upon him to save us. The Bible teaches us we'll be at the, the Bema seat and all of our works will go through this furnace and, and anything that's wood, hay, or stubble, it will be burned up. Only the, the precious stone and, and those things, only those things will last. Those things that are done with the right motivation from a heart of sincerity, of worship, of praise to Christ, Anything else that's done for the that's wicked or done for uh, the wrong from the wrong motivation will be burned up. The Bible also teaches us that there is another judgment, not only the bema seat but the great white throne judgment, and anybody whose name is not written in the Lamb's book of life will be at this judgment. Anyone that does not receive Christ as their Savior will be at this judgment, and the Bible teaches us that every single one that re that rejects Christ will spend an eternity in a place called the eternal fire, lake of fire. We can think, well, it just seems like this world is winning and, and wickedness is abounding and things are getting worse, and they are. But trust me, you're on the right side. You're on the winning side. Jesus will come. He will judge. The wicked will be punished. Consequences are coming. We live in this age of grace. And we're so thankful for it. But one day it will come to an end. And every single one of us will be judged. David was asking for that judgment. Would you come now? Would you take care of this? Sometimes we can feel like that. Isaiah 5.20 says, Woe unto them that call evil good and good evil, that put darkness for light and light for darkness, that put bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter. I don't think we should be happy with the thought of people being punished and going through hell, but it should also bring us some great encouragement knowing that we have a home in heaven, knowing that we can spend eternity with God, with Jesus, should bring us great comfort, knowing that we are on the right side, the winning side. The request, would you rise up and take care of this? We can feel like that sometimes. I want you to see number four this morning the rejoicing of the loud cry of David. The rejoicing of the loud cry of David. You can skip down to verse number 11. God judgeth the righteous, and God is angry with the wicked every day. Don't be fooled. Don't be fooled. You might think that 
Wickedness is winning. But it won't. God is, is angry with the wicked every day. And one day he'll come and he'll rule for a thousand years and he'll establish his kingdom and we'll live in that perfect kingdom. Some may say, well, why doesn't God just come now and reveal himself and everybody will turn to him and everybody will, that's not true. Even when Jesus comes and reigns for a thousand years, it tells us that men will still rebel against him. We have all the evidence we need today to turn to God. Psalm chapter, notice verse number 17, skip down again. I will praise the Lord according to his righteousness and will sing praise to the name of the Lord most high. Sometimes we can get so worried and so consumed with the things that we cannot control. You ever feel that way? I mean, I wish I could go change some of the things that are happening in our country. I wish I could go and change Justin Trudeau's mind on some things. I wish I could do that, but I can't. I can't control that. The only thing I can do is vote when time comes, and, and that's what I think every Canadian should do. You should vote. But I can't control the things that are happening. All around. I can't control the, what's on the news. I can't control all the wicked and evil things that go on. But the one thing I can control is I can praise God according to his righteousness. And I can sing praise to the name of the Lord Most High. Like David, cry out to the Lord. Cast all your cares on him, for he careth for you. God knows what's going on. He has not turned a blind eye, and he cares about you. He loves you. We heard that in the Bible reading. He loves you. He loved us. We love him because he first loved us, and he cares about you. And you can cry out to him, and you, you can ask the Lord to help you during your times of trials and difficulties. That's what David was doing. Would you help me, Lord? Cush is really... He's really riling me up. I think he might win. Will you help me, Lord? Will you help me? If you're here this morning and you don't know Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, we know in 1 Corinthians that the Bible is written so that you might know that you have eternal life. If you don't know Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, don't wait until it's too late. Don't wait until it's too late. Jesus came for you. The Bible says in John 3, 16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. What a promise. What a thing that God has done for us. To spare us, to be, the ability to be able to spare, be spared from the lake of fire is a, is a blessing. It's a gift from God. God will deal with sin and wickedness. Sin and wickedness will finally be eradicated one day. But until then, you can just praise the Lord. You can praise God for his righteousness and his goodness. Don't get so consumed with all of the negative garbage and the wickedness and sin, the things you can't control. You can, you can respond the right way. Don't get angry. Don't get bitter. Don't get frustrated. Don't get upset. Do what Job did. Praise God. God has a plan and a purpose for your life. The trials that are unique to you that you will face, they are there so that Christ might receive the glory.
and the honor. How are you responding? If you don't know Christ, today is the opportunity. You don't have to be at the great white throne judgment. You don't have to spend eternity in a lake of fire. If you don't know Christ, you can respond today and come to know Jesus as your Lord and Savior. All you do is have to admit your sin, your wrongdoing, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and call upon him. Christian, cry out to the Lord. He'll hear you. He knows what you're going through. When no one else can help you, he can help you. And make sure you respond to those trials with the right attitude. An attitude of praise, an attitude of understanding who God is and his purpose for your life. We hope that today's message was a help and encouragement to you in your walk with God. To stay connected with us, give us a like on Facebook or follow us on Instagram at Van City Baptist. Our prayer is that God will grow and bless you as you pursue his will for your life.